iLead listeners, I really am excited about this three-part series on self-leadership that I want to share with you. This three-part series on self-leadership is really going to move you forward in the understanding of who you are, because understanding who you are, being aware of who you are, your emotions and what is the personality of God has called you and the why of who you are, the values of who you are, all of those things I'm going to address uh, so that you might know and understand who you are, that you will better be able to lead yourself before you can lead others. The mistake that many make, the mistake that many make when they begin to think about leadership is how can I best tell somebody else what to do? (laughs) What is the best way that I can influence, inspire And get somebody to do something. Well, uh, that's not the beginning of leadership. The beginning of leadership is self-leadership. How do you lead yourself? So to that end, this three-part series on self-leadership is being offered to you. And I really would want you to uh, take all three, listen to all three. And if you want to drill down, if you find that it adds value to your life, I would encourage you to then go to iLeadAcademy.net and take the full course load, it will really bless you and it will enable you and empower you and inform you as to how you can be the leader you believe God has called you to be and that you will be able to lead in any room because at the end of the day, you don't have a problem. Uh, You have a leadership issue. That's always the case. And when you take this and learn this, you will lead in any room. So let's begin with part one of this three-part series on self-leadership. Good day, everybody. It's time for I Lead Podcast. And today we're going to deal with I Lead listeners, self-leadership, self-leadership. Now, I know when you think about self-leadership, you don't think about all of the things that we uh, typically think of when it comes down to leadership, because everybody's anxious to tell somebody else what to do, to exert our influence, to carry out a vision, to achieve a mission, to get something done, to make an organizational fruitful and just be in front and lead the way, because that's what we've been called to do as leaders. Well, I lead listeners today, I want to deal with self-leadership, self-leadership, because before you lead your, you can lead anybody else, you have to lead yourself. So we want to drill down deep into that today. And uh, to all of our I lead listeners, let's get ready to learn about how do you lead yourself before you can lead anybody else. Leadership author, and I like to call him guru of leadership, John Maxwell says this about self-leadership. As a leader, the first person I need to lead is me. The first person that I should try to change is me. In Acts 20, 28, the NIV translation says this, Paul is encouraging the leaders at the church in Ephesus, and he says this to them. Keep watch over yourselves. Catch that. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. 
be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Think about what Paul just said. He says, keep watch over yourself before you start trying to lead anybody else. When we think of developing ourselves to serve and lead others, we often prioritize learning skills that will allow us to influence, direct, and manage people, tell people what to do, where to go, how long to stay, when to come back, what to pick up, what not to do. But before you can do all of that, how are you leading yourself? How are you leading yourself? In Acts, Paul tells these leaders, keep watch over yourselves. He then goes on to exhort them to watch over the flock. But before they can watch over the flock, they have to watch over their own behavior, their own thoughts, their own ideas, their own ways of carrying out their own lives. Before we can watch over and lead others, we must first watch over and lead ourselves. Paul also said, work out your own salvation. Self-leadership is the term used to describe the phenomenon of watching over, understanding, and managing ourselves. Managing our strengths. I want you to get this. I want you to write down these eight things. Managing our strengths, weaknesses, emotions. Number four, decisions. Five, responses, words, choices, relationships. Let me say them again. When it comes down to us understanding and managing ourselves, leading ourselves, think in terms of these eight things. Our strengths, our weaknesses, our emotions, decisions, responses, words, choices, and relationships. Self-leadership is taking responsibility for ourselves in a way that positions us to assume the responsibility of effectively caring for and leading others. DeHawk, the founder and former CEO of Visa Card Corporation, explained that the first and paramount responsibility of anyone who purports to manage is to manage oneself. One's own integrity, one's own character, ethics, knowledge, wisdom, temperament, words, and acts. Close quote. In other words, you have to get yourself under control before you can lead others. When I think about that, I think about my uh, upbringing. I am the youngest of 11. Um, I have 10 siblings in front of me, two of which are with the Lord. And uh, I'm sorry, three of which are with the Lord. And the remainder of us are living very viable and fruitful lives. But in our developmental time period, uh, that was a very difficult time because being PKs, we were really had a lot of pressure on us to uh, live perfect lives. It came up Pentecostal holiness and everything was wrong, uh, include breathing. <laughs> and I jokingly say that, but um, if you come out of a Pentecostal holiness tradition, and I'm still very, very proud of my tradition, uh, there are things that are very constraining. And uh, that's what we learned uh, with our theology. With respect to that, uh, my siblings recoiled. They rebelled against that approach in their developmental uh, stages of life, and uh, which led to promiscuity, drug abuse, and um, several things. Now, as I foresaid, we are all doing very well, very fruitful, living for the Lord. 
but there was a period in time in which that happened. Now, here's the point I want to make. I, being the youngest, had an uh, had the opportunity to observe what they did right and what they did wrong. I learned from what they did wrong, and I led myself as I saw them not effectively leading themselves in those developmental stages of their lives. That lets me know that uh, we really have to understand that in order to lead somebody else, you have to be able to lead yourself. You got to get yourself under control. Researcher and author Tim Elmore states, the first step in becoming a leader is to lead ourselves well. This is likely the most difficult leadership endeavor we will encounter. Tim Elmore, close quote. In uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 25 through 27, the English Standard Version, Paul says this. He discusses self-leadership in his own life. Listen to what he says. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a reward, a perishable wreath, but we imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul made it clear, you better lead yourself before you start trying to lead others because the inability to lead oneself disqualifies you for leading others. We simply cannot lead others if we do not first have the courage and humility to lead ourselves. Discipline and self-control are a significant part of self-leadership. In part, the writer of Galatians lists self-control as a fruit of the spirit, self-control, temperament. Research also proves the value, that there is a value, there is a reward, there is a return when you lead yourself well. Walter Michiel, a former professor of psychology at Stanford, is known for the marshmallow effect, the marshmallow test. Now, Michelle uh, mentions this, and it's a wonderful test. This famous experiment was done 50 years ago. And now in the experiment, a favorite treat such as a marshmallow or cookie is set in front of a child. Now, if the child can wait 15 minutes, they'll get another treat, another marshmallow, another cookie. And they keep adding to it as long as they stand there and wait. Now, Michelle research has shown that children who could wait for their treat go on to do better in life, have higher SAT scores, higher ACT scores. They do better in life. Why? Because they control themselves. Isn't that interesting? They control themselves and then life rewards them. If you don't have self-control, you have no control and you're out of control <laughs> and you cannot get to where God is trying to take you, you will not be able to lead anybody because you are falling short of leading yourself. Pamela Druckmann reported in New York Times in 2014 on an interview with Michelle. In it, the famous researcher explained that whether you eat the marshmallow at age five is not your destiny. Self-control can be taught. 
It says grownups can use it to tackle the burning issues of modern life in simple but important ways like how to go to bed early. Yeah, I need to learn that. How not to check your email obsessively? Well, I'm okay on the email, but the texting, my God. Not yelling at your children or your spouse or, or eating healthy. The bottom line is, is that Michelle makes the point. 84-year-old researcher makes the point in the New York Times article in 2014 that you can learn it. Just because you may have eaten the marshmallow, the extra cookie at age five, don't mean you got to keep on eating the cookie when you're well into your adult age. Learn how to control yourself, to lead yourself. Michelle explained that there are two warring parts of the brain. Catch this now, I lead listeners. Catch this. A part demanding immediate gratification. That's the limbic system. That's the limbic system. Write that down. And that is that in that part of your brain, you want immediate gratification. A cool, goal-oriented part of the brain is the prefrontal cortex right around your forehead or right behind your forehead. Now, the secret of self-control, he says, is to train the prefrontal cortex to kick in first or collaborate with the limbic system. In other words, don't be controlled by your feelings. Stop snapping. Because all of your emotions, all of the things that affect you through your feelings, your five senses come in through your spinal cord, up the limbic system, the back of your brain. And many times before you can get to the cool part of your brain where reasoning waits to help you with the decision, you go off. Have you ever wondered that's why you scratch your forehead? You rub your forehead many times when you're trying to think of what to do. You're trying um, intuitively to then activate the prefrontal cortex to help you make a decision. The bottom line is, is that when you lead yourself, when you lead yourself, you then bring that limbic system under control. You telling it, hey, hold on. I'm not going to do this just yet. Let's have some reason with all these emotions. If we are to lead ourselves, we must learn to exercise self-control and, dis and discipline. As believers, we can do this with the help of the Holy Spirit. Remember, one of the fruits of the Spirit, temperament, self-control. To be motivated to grow and lead others, however, we need to understand our why. Write that down. You got to understand your why. What is our motivation as self, uh, as uh, leaders? How how is it that we are dealing with what we're dealing with, and the reason why we're doing it? Understand our why often begins with the intentional and important work of reflecting on or identifying our personal beliefs, values, and purpose. Our personal beliefs, values, and purpose. You see, when a leader establishes a new program, a team, an organization, they typically clarify the vision, the values, and the purpose behind the new endeavor. A new school might be established to help disadvantaged kids, a new ministry in the church to serve families in crisis, or a sports program to mentor youth. Understanding the purpose and values behind a new program helps give focus and energy to the efforts. In a similar way, 
we must be intentional to clarify in our own hearts and minds what we believe and our why. What values will guide our choices and decisions? When I am leading myself, I have to have a rudder, a core, an anchor, a north star, sails that are pointing in the right direction. So then I will know how God has designed me. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and the purpose by which he made me. We will be delving more into that type of question as we move further into self-leadership. Now, identifying and living out our whys in our culture can be exceptionally challenging. Let's talk a little bit about that. Our culture is undergoing a significant shift and values are rapidly changing. Moral relativism is spreading and has been identified by the Bonner Group as one of the defining characteristics of Generation Z. Today's young adults and youth uh, are now uh, inundated with moral relativism. So it's kind of hard to dig in and find your why when everything around you is moving. Moral relativism is the view that what is right or wrong is based on situations or perspectives or one's own opinion. Therein lies this whole thing about my truth, your truth, when it's only the truth. Under moral relativism, there are no absolute truths. There are no absolute truths. And this is why it's so popular now where people, even believers, will say, I need to say my truth. I got to speak my truth. No, at the end of the day, that will not help you manage yourself and lead yourself because in search of your why, if anything goes, you can never know whether or not your why has application or is grounded and founded in anything worthwhile. At the bottom, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's really all about saying it is the truth. And knowing my why is connected to the truth and understanding that I can be developed into really carrying out my purpose because I know my why. And then as a result of me knowing my purpose, I can therefore better manage myself. More relativism is evident today in a world where tolerance is seen by many as the highest virtue, the highest virtue. Any sense of intolerance is chagrin. It is the worst thing that have ever happened uh, in our culture today because you are not tolerant of me. Well, tolerance is the new buzzword and the new law of the land, according to O.S. Hawkins in his book, The Daniel Code. He goes on to say, and it has a different definition than it did just a few years ago. Tolerance used to mean uh, that we recognize and respected other people's beliefs and values systems without agreeing with them or sharing them. Now today, tolerance means that everyone's values, beliefs and systems and lifestyles should be accepted, not only just the fact that you have respected and I recognize that you have them, I have to accept them. And if I don't accept them somehow or another, I'm rejecting the person who holds that opinion. And therefore I run into a council culture 
that is running rampant, running rampant, not just in the political world, even in the church world. But you have to understand that tolerance has nothing to do with the fact that I have to accept everybody's values. Not at all, though that is the way it is spun today. In the midst of that stew of moral relativism and tolerance, one is in search of one's why, because when I know my why, I know my purpose. And when I know my purpose, I am better have a guide uh, of my values. And when I know my values, then I can better understand what I am doing and leading myself. Absent that, it's going to be difficult to lead myself and therefore difficult to lead others. Where many developing leaders struggle is in identifying their why or their beliefs, their systems, their values that contradict someone else's belief and views. And then it becomes intolerant. There can be intense pressure today to accept and agree with every point of view we encounter. This can leave us aimlessly responding, listen, to opinions and values of others around us rather than being guided by our own values and beliefs. It requires courage. It requires one to lead oneself. Notice we haven't talked about leading anybody else, though this podcast is dedicated to uh, teaching people and informing them as to how they should lead. So. Let's continue to drill deeper into leading yourself. If one does not know your whys, it'll be very difficult. As I said, it requires courage and self-leadership to identify and live out our whys in a culture that might not always understand or accept what we believe. We risk being misunderstood when we embrace specific beliefs or values. It is impossible, however to lead ourselves without clarity regarding what we believe and our why behind it. Self-leadership, therefore, requires the thoughtful work of identifying and living out our core values. Core values are the beliefs or principles that guide our behavior. Self-leadership involves taking the time to study, reflect, and pray regularly as we develop and live out our core values. This is not a task that is accomplished in a day, nor in one podcast broadcast. No, not at all, Ali listeners. This kind of thing is worked out in the crucible of living, on the anvil of life, Beat out by you being the blacksmith that must shape the iron that is you into who God has called you to do, to be and to do and to lead the way. But first, I lead listeners, lead yourself. The Lord be with you today. His face shine upon you. Give you peace as you learn how to better lead yourself so you can be the great leader that God has called you to be. We'll see you on our next podcast broadcast. Make sure you share it. Bye now.